Good evening again, church. I'll be bringing us tonight, this evening's word, coming from the book of Mark, chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. Mark, chapter 5, verse 21 to 43, I shall begin. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and leave. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I, touch his, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned, up, turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was speaking, they came, up. They came from the ruler's house, some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talita kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of God. Good evening, everybody. Sure, I haven't been here for a while, so maybe I should introduce myself. <laughs> My name is Eddie, um, and I am taller than him. Okay. There we go. Is that better? That's better. The boss has spoken. So where am I? Okay, there we go. Uh, yeah, Eddie, um, uh, what can I say about myself? I'm married to one wife, and I've got two children. Here we go. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, Yes, uh, today I've got the privilege of opening God's Word for us, and um, I wonder if you guys experience pressure in life, like me, you see, this gray hair, pressure, I didn't look like this when Divine first met me, hey Divine, I wasn't like this, huh? no, I wasn't, so pressure, um, how does pressure work, uh, a good illustration for me, how pressure work is like the wind, have you guys been to Cape Town or anywhere the wind really blows? Look at those trees. Have you seen those trees? 
they kind of stand in the direction that the wind blows them. So especially in places where the wind really, really blows hard, those trees, they grow kind of sideways. Now, pressure, our pressure, life's pressure, work pressure, relationship pressure, it has a tendency of bending us, isn't it? And blowing us and pushing us. Now, I, uh, for, my, for, my, for my sins, I adopted a young man named Paul. You guys know, all know Paul. Is he here? And Paul told me that if you go to conquer, yes, I did that right? There's quite a bit of pressure to pitch up in the right car, isn't it? Yeah? And if you go to Rockets, that's the place called, you need to know the menu, isn't it? There's no menu there. So there's quite a bit of pressure. So Paul says that's quite of a kind of a social pressure. You know, there's social pressure on him. Uh, let's call it uh, TikTok or uh, uh, social media pressure, isn't there? So those pictures, you guys have to live up to those pictures. You always have to be smiling. So there's quite a bit of social pressure. You have to look. I'll never fit on TikTok because I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm too tall. <laughs> anyway. The, the one pressure that gets to me in life is time pressure. I don't know if you guys, uh, I hate being late. And when I'm late, and when my children, not me, my children make me late, <laughs> I do terrible things. Um, so uh, for me, the one pressure that gets the better of me is when I'm late and time pressure. Now, what is your pressure? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, what pushes you over the edge, if I can put it like that? Think about it in, in, in emotional terms. Uh, what gets you really, really angry? What gets you really, really sad? Ten to one, those are some of the things that get under your skin, isn't it? Those are some of the pressures that get the better of you. Now, when I read the Bible, the Bible says there will always be something pushing against you. There will always be something trying to drag you or want to pull you in their direction. The Bible uses different words. Romans says that you're either a slave to the world, the flesh and the devil, the three true enemies, or you're a slave to righteousness, to Jesus. Either you're pulled in the direction that the world, your flesh, the devil wants to take you, or you are pulled in the direction that Jesus wants to take you. Our passage today is trying to convince you to let Jesus pull you, to let Jesus bend you, let Jesus transform you. That's our passage. And the way our passage works, or the way it wants to challenge us in the whole of Mark so far, is by one question. And the question is, who is Jesus? Because if you understand who he is, you will let him pull you. You will let him bend you to his will. So, very important for us, Mark's gospel wants to answer that one question. Mark wants to help us. He wants us to understand and he wants us to make that decision. Oh, he wants us to come to the realization who Jesus is so that we can actually let him transform, bend, turn our lives around, if you can do it. So the world wants to form you. The world wants to... Men uh, 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 make you and lead you. Jesus says, Let me transform you. Let me 
bend you into my direction. Anyway, so that's what Mark's Gospel. When we look at Mark's Gospel, you guys have been looking, Martin did it last week. We are confronted with this guy, Jesus. And when you look at him, he doesn't bend to nobody. Actually, we saw last week, he actually bent the wind and the waves to his will, isn't it? Be quiet, be still. We also saw that Jesus has got this amazing authority over sin, over sickness, over diseases. In actual fact, he says, I have authority over you. He says, I want you to follow me. That's what Jesus says. Let me transform you. Let me lead you to the good life. That's what Jesus says. So it's very important for us to answer that question, who is he? Who does he think he is? To ask me that question. Actually to ask me to follow him. So, let's look at our passage. It would be good for you have your Bibles. I've got a Bible, but you can also have your Bible on your phone. Um, Mark chapter 5. Uh, so you know that I'm not speaking for myself. What I'm saying comes from the Bible. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to ask three simple, we're going to look for three simple things from this passage. Um, the first one is we're going to look at the life pressures that's on these people. So there's two groups of people. We're going to see what kind of life pressures are on them. Then we're going to actually see who do they trust, where do they turn when they're under those life pressures. If you think about a tug of war, which one wins? And then we're going to see how they are transformed, how their lives are transformed. So that's intertwined in the whole thing, but those are the three main things we're going to look at. Look at the life pressures. We're going to look at their faith. That's the word I'm going to use. And we're going to look at how they are bent, which way they are bent. Now, in this story, we have Jairus starting us out. Jesus crosses over the lake. He gets to the other side. A huge crowd comes to him. Jairus, one of the synagogue rulers, comes to him, and his daughter is deadly sick. But as Jesus follows him, a woman comes on the scene. So we've got two stories, two people with two life pressures, and they literally crash into one another. The lady comes, and she's got a life pressure. And so I think it's good for us to start with the lady, we're going to start with the lady, and then we're going to see what happens to Jairus. So let's start with the lady, and let's ask that question. Who, sorry, what life pressures was she under? Now, you don't have to read far to see the pressure, the real pressure that was on her life was a health pressure. Health meaning being healthy. She has been suffering from a discharge of blood, which is probably a bleeding that women normally um, experience, but she's experiencing this for 12 years. Has not stopped for 12 years. Actually, she's gone to all the doctors in town, and the towns next door, and the further towns, and they've actually made things worse. Not better, worse. Plus, she spent all her money. She's got no more money left. So literally, she's got no more hope. In Old Testament Jewish culture, if you uh, were bleeding and discharging this kind of blood, you became unclean. And you had to be outside until that stopped, and then you could come back in again. Now think about this lady. We read over that, and we forget that this is a real person. This is a real human being who's been struggling with this for 12 years. 
Now let's just imagine, I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us. Let's say it started when she had a second child. This bleeding started after giving birth and it didn't stop for a second child. It's been 12 years and she's been separated from her child for 12 years. Maybe she's got an older, that's probably now, let's say, five years older, whatever that mathematical is. He's, now, he's a teenager, he's out of the house, and she hasn't seen him. She hasn't seen her daughter for 12 years. And she's tried everything to get back to the family. All her money is gone. Maybe she spent all the family money, and yet there's nothing. Literally no hope. Or is there? Let's have a look there in verse 27. Verse 27 tells us there in the Bible that she hears about this guy called Jesus. She hears reports about him. Now, she wasn't there when he calmed the storm. She only heard about it. She was not there when he drove out those demons, remember, into the pigs. The pigs went out. She only heard about it. Now... She hears he's in town. She also heard that this guy, Jesus, offers people life. And she wants that. She wants that. For 12 years, she's been looking for a life. She wants her life back. Now, there's like an inkling of hope. <laughs> but look at her plan, guys. Look at what her plan is. Verse 28. If only, I put the only in there, but if I can only come and touch the edge of his garments, I will be made well. Great plan. But will she execute that plan? Well, look at the plan now. But she's, have, she's saying, I actually have faith that if I can touch this guy's garment, I will be made well. But problem is, you can say something, but you have to act on it, isn't it? Real faith accompanies actions. That's what's going on here. So she will have to act on that. So what is her actions? So look at her actions. Look at her actions there. She's unclean. She's outside. She's been outside for 12 years. Jesus comes to her town. And now what does she do? She slips into town, isn't it? She goes in. Is she allowed in town? No, she's not allowed in town. Who's around Jesus? Verse 21 tells us there's a huge crowd around Jesus. Imagine the chance she's taking. Imagine the, the, the risk she's taking. My cousins, my uncle, my, the guy who chased me out the first time, the doctors, they're all there. <laughs> if they see me, what's going to happen? They're going to kick me out again. But she takes a chance. She acts on her faith. What else does she do? This is the plan. This is actually the in, most interesting plan. She wants to come and get help from someone without that person knowing she's there. Where is she touching Jesus? On his garment. Is there sign? What's those things that you feel with? Sinuses. No, not sinuses. What's the English one? Ah, Sinevius. Come on. Senses. Yes, is there. No, she's not touching his hand. Jesus. I want your help. No. Touching just here. So she actually wants Jesus' help, but she's not wanting to come to him and say, please, will you help me? So it's a strange kind of plan. Her faith 
is in what she heard about this guy. So have a look. Have a look how her faith, the action she's taking, points us to who this man Jesus is. So she believes that he can help her without him knowing she's there. She believes that he can help her where for 12 years nobody could help her. She believes that this guy can do a miracle and she doesn't even ask him for the miracle. So who does she think this guy is? She's got some understanding of who this guy is. He's actually going to do something that is not normal. He's going to do something that's literally out of this world. That's never been done before. It's like an act of God. A miracle. So who does he think this guy is? Well, let's have a look. She goes up and she touches. Her plan is just to touch his clothes here. And there, immediately, she's healed. Immediately. Not five days later, once the antibiotics has worked out. You know, once she's seen the other doctor that she didn't see last time. No, immediately. Who can do something like that? That's literally a miracle. It's an act of God. So, who is this guy? Now, Jesus is not finished with her. But you have to ask that question. And you have to ask, and you've put yourself in her shoes. And we'll see now how she reacts. She has to be blown out of her mind. This stuff. What is, who is this guy? Now, Jesus is not finished with her. And the reason he's not finished with her is because she wanted to stay anonymous. And Jesus will not have that. So have a look at verse 30. Immediately Jesus stops. He turns around and he says, who touched me? Verse 30. And his disciples are like, come on, Jesus. Everybody's touching you. Can't you see? Look at them. They're all touching you. But Jesus stops. And he says, no, someone has touched me. Someone touched me, let's call it by faith. And I'm not going to let that person stay anonymous. I want to know that person, and I want that person to know me. Faith in Jesus isn't just faith in his power, that he can do this for me like this woman. Faith in Jesus is faith in who he is. And Jesus wants to make that clear. Have a look at her. Verse 29, she realizes, so now she's touching Jesus. Boom. Immediately she's healed. Now what do you do? What, now what she does? What, what, she's got lots of options. She can run away. She can go. She can just sneak out. And off she goes. She is completely healed. Verse 29 says, Immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was well uh, healed from her disease. At that moment, she could have left. She could have slipped between the crowds, just like she came in, and she would have been healed. But Jesus will not have that. He will have none of that. He doesn't want her to experience his power without knowing who he is. And so he's not done reconstructing her, transforming her. And so, what happens? What happens? Verse 33, the woman knowing what had happened, seeing what Jesus is standing there and saying, who touched me? What happens? She comes and she falls in fear and trembling before him 
and tells him or told him the whole truth. Can you see how Jesus is allowing her to get to know her? Let me show you. She has this plan. It works out beautifully. But now Jesus isn't finished with her. He wants her to know who he is. He wants her to have an answer, not just to his power, but who he is. So she is transformed to falling before his feet. Have you seen see that? Not like this casual bow that you do before the king. This is the kind of falling before his feet that you see John does in Revelation. When he comes before the almighty God. We see this with Isaiah. Oh, whoa, I'm a man of unclean lips. Boom, on the ground, on his face. This is the kind of falling on her face that she's doing. Because she realizes she's before someone that does something that only God can do. Can you see how she's transformed? From one who has got a sneaky plan to one who falls before Jesus and tells him the whole truth. Imagine that. Telling your whole life story. Telling how you have snuck in here, broken all the Romans, all the Jewish laws, possibly making everybody unclean around you, telling the whole truth. Can you imagine what devastating effects that could have had on her? But she's changed. Her faith is in the person of Jesus. And she tells him the whole truth. So who is this man she's standing before? The Bible tells us he's the one before before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Jesus Christ the Lord before whom all of us one day will have to tell the whole truth. That's who he is. That's who she sees he is. She's transformed. Have a look at how this wonderful story ends. When someone comes before the Almighty, the God in Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, with that kind of faith, trusting not just in his power, but in his person, who he is, Jesus says to her, verse 34, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Daughter there means complete restoration. Remember where she was? She's now daughter again. She's now in the family. Completely healed. You are completely healed. You have been made well. Go in peace. That peace is restoration. Back into the family. That's what she was created for. She was created to be, and I like to use the word, life. God created her to live, and he's restored her back to life. Go in peace. So what's the point of this little story here? Faith in Christ Jesus isn't just some arbitrary faith in his power. No, it's actually trusting in him. Faith is not some force. Faith is more like a friendship. It's a relationship. 
Faith in Jesus is a knowing of Him and Him knowing of us. And that means He transforms you. He bends you into His likeness, what He wants you to be. He bends us back from where the world bends us to where life is, the life that we created for. So do you want Jesus to do that for you? Let me ask it in a different way. What kind of help do you guys want from Jesus? What kind of help do you want from him? Do you want him to save you? And then after he saved you, just to leave you alone. Don't change me, Lord. I will like the way I am. Just leave me as I am. That's probably majority of the people I know. They like Jesus to save them. But they really don't like Jesus to tell them how they should live. The Bible, mm -mm. don't tell me what I must do with my life. Don't tell me how I should work. Don't tell me how I should view myself, my identity. Don't tell me how I should relate to someone else, to the opposite sex. Don't tell me who I am. I want to define those things. Yes, I'd like you to help me in this situation. You know, I've got work pressures, I've got life pressures, I've got a husband to find, a wife to find. Please help me, Lord. But then don't tell me how to, to live my life. Jesus says it doesn't work like that. Faith in Him is not just faith in what He can do for you. It's faith in the person of Jesus. Letting Him be in a relationship with you. Letting Him... Like the wind, bend you or turn you, literally turn you back to what you were created for so that you can tell the whole truth, so that you can be transformed, so that you can have life. Now, as Christians, um, don't get me wrong, the waves and the winds of the world bashes against us and they will challenge us and sometimes when we sin, we fall, but like this woman, Jesus says, I want you to turn to me in repentance and faith. That's the word the Bible use. Daily, so that I can construct your life, reconstruct your life, that I can transform your life, that I actually can lead you to where the good life is. That's the call on our lives that Jesus is pointing out. And you need to know who he is. You really need to know who this guy Jesus is that makes this unbelievable claim. And you need to know what it means to put your faith and trust in him. So they have this beautiful invitation from Jesus to this woman and she accepts it. Now, you might stand here today and you say to me, Yeah, Eddie, that's all good and nice, but... You don't know my life's precious. You think that woman had life's precious? Mine is up there. Actually, it's higher than that. It is, it is life-threatening, life-precious. It's life-debilitating, life-precious. That's what you are saying to me, Eddie. Eddie, can I trust Jesus with my life? Really life-threatening, these precious so we have the story of Jairus. So we've got the story of the lady, and both sides we have the story of Jairus. Jairus' life pressures are nuclear proportions, if you can put it like that. Let's have a look. 
Let's have a look. We're going to ask those same questions of Jairus. And we're going to see how this question of escalation of pressure, if we can put it like that. So, let's start at verse 21. Who's Jairus? Jairus is a synagogue ruler. In chapter 3, we met some of the guys who are the leaders. What are they doing? They're plotting to kill Jesus. So, he's probably part of that gang. That gang, they want to plot and kill Jesus. What happens to him? Life happens to him. His daughter gets deadly sick. Now, he's heard about Jesus. Probably, maybe, he saw one of the things that Jesus has done. He was not like the lady outside. So maybe he saw some of the things. But what happens to him? When life's pressure escalates on him, he turns to Jesus. In this real world, he's a real human being and he needs real life. He needs real help. And Jesus says, I can really help you. Even though you want to kill me and you don't believe me, life happens to him. And so what does he do? He's confronted with the same question. Can this guy, Jesus, really help me? Who is this man? Have a look there in 22, verse 22. There came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at Jesus' feet. And he implored him earnestly, saying, My little girl, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so she can be made well and live. So, we have this guy, probably part of the gang who wanted to kill Jesus. His daughter gets sick, deadly sick, and he changes. Where does he go? He goes to Jesus, and what does he do? He falls at Jesus' feet. The same kind of falling that the woman is doing. Now, (laughs) I don't know about you, (laughs) but a synagogue ruler, knowing the Jewish customs, falling at someone's feet... That's a problem. (laughs) I don't know if you see the problem there. That's a big problem. What is he saying? His actions. What is his point? His actions are pointing to us to who Jesus is. Now, his pressure on him escalates. So as he falls, he begs Jesus. Jesus gets up and there he goes. Off we go. We're going to help your daughter. The problem is my daughter's sick. Jesus says, all right, let's go. In the middle of this, we've got this woman. And Jesus stops. And Jesus delays. And Jesus spends all that time waiting for her to come out. Now you can imagine Jairus. Wondering, how's my daughter doing? Am I doing the right thing? Asking Jesus. Can you imagine the tense, what's going on in his mind? Jesus, come on! Tick, tick, tick. The clock ticks all the time. Finally, as Jesus speaks those beautiful words, daughter, go in peace. Verse 35 comes to him. While Jesus is still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some, uh, uh, someone that said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? And there he goes. Boom. That poor man. Now his clock is like... It's explosion time in his mind. I've asked Jesus to come and help me. He said he was going to come and help me. I had hope. Now she is dead. 
He helped the woman. She was ill. He helped her. But my daughter is dead. Can you see the jump in pressure? The jump in life's pressure? The jump in test of his faith? Now, Jesus doesn't make it easy for him. Have a look at how Jesus responds to him. He says to this guy, nothing has changed. He says to this guy, overhearing, so Jesus knew and he heard that the people told him his daughter is dead. Jesus says to him, do not fear, only believe. Jairus, don't worry, nothing has changed. I can still help you. But, 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 but Jesus, she's dead. She, she, she's not alive. Didn't you hear? Yes, I heard. Don't worry. Just believe. Nothing has changed. It's as if death is nothing to Jesus. Can you see that? Come. Nothing has changed. That's all right. There's the evil spirits talking to us as well. <laughs> so how does Jairus react? How do we see his faith? Well, his friends tell him, or the people coming from his house tell him, leave the teacher alone. He cannot help you anymore. Leave him alone. Jesus on the other says, nothing has changed. I can still help you. Let's go. What does Jairus do? He turns to Jesus and he says, all right, let's go. <laughs> now, to top this all off, Jesus gets to the house and this one my son gave me, he dropped some bars. Do you guys know what that means? Yes, I don't know what that means. But he dropped some bars and he says this phrase, the child is not dead, she's sleeping. Everyone bursts out laughing. Are you blind Jesus are you what who is this guy Jesus literally ignores them he literally ignores death he walks up to this little girl and he says to this little girl Talita kum and immediately she wakes up so who is this guy death is like nothing to him he raises a little girl that is dead Trust me, she was dead. The people knew she was dead. Everybody knew she was dead. She wasn't sleeping. She was dead. He raises a dead girl as easily as you and I would wake up our children. Now, you don't have children, but I... And it takes a while to raise my children. <laughs> but he speaks a word and up they come. Or up she comes. Look at the response of the people. Or the people, only the few that was inside... Immediately, verse 42, they were overcome with amazement. Who is this guy? He's doing miracles. He's doing things that God alone can do. But he's walking around here. He's this man. Who is this guy? So, that's what Mark wants us to see. You might be standing here tonight... And your life's pressures might be astronomical. So much so that it is de 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 debilitating you. you. You literally cannot 
put one foot in front of the other. Because life is just getting the better of you. And Jesus stands before all of us and he says to us, Come to me. Come to me. Let me bend you back. Let me construct or reconstruct your life. Let me give you life. Do not fear, just believe. Sure, the testing, Jairus went through that testing. The testing of his faith. At the other side, the man's faith grew. This man's faith in Jesus grew. Faith for him isn't just a feeling. Faith for him was a person. I'm trusting you. So you all walked in here this afternoon, this evening, and you all saw the chairs here, didn't you? You all believed that that chair could keep you. That's why you sat down in that chair, isn't it? If you didn't believe that the chair could hold you, you wouldn't sit down in that chair. Your faith was in the chair. You exercised your faith by sitting down. Can you see? Faith in Jesus is like that. You exercise your trust, your faith in Jesus, by literally, like the lady, like Jairus, putting your most precious thing belonging in his hands. So think about those things that got you angry. Those things that got you frustrated in life. Those pressures. Are you willing to let Jesus lead you, bend you, transform you in those areas? For me, it's time management. And more. Much, much more. What is it for you? What is the thing that gets under your skin that you want to transform yourself. Jesus says you can't. Jesus says I'm the only one. And let me tell you, there's only two responses to Jesus standing before us and saying those things. Mark has told us. There's those who see who Jesus is and says, whoa, no thank you. Off you go. We saw the demon possessed by, you remember? Demon-possessed guy, demons out of him into the pigs, pigs into the water. He sits there at Jesus' feet in his well-dressed, he's completely restored. The people come, they see that, and they say to Jesus, "Uh Uh-huh, in your boat, off you go. We don't want you, we don't need you. Their fear, seeing who this man is, led them to not want Jesus. Whereas we have the woman and Jairus, their fear, where does it lead them? falling before Jesus. Please, will you help me? So those are the only two responses. And both those responses lead to certain places. The one leads to life, and the other one leads to life without Jesus, which is actually not life at all. So, let's end there. Let me ask you this question. Who is Jesus for you? Not just Feeling-wise, do you see who he is? Have you fallen before him and asked him to bend you, to transform you? That's what Mark wants you to see. That's what I want you to see. And 
That way, Jesus says, is life. The other way is not life at all. So it's very important that tonight, as a series, we're ending the series, we'll start it up again later on, you see properly who this man Jesus is. Not from your feelings, emotions, or anything of what the Bible says he is. So that you can make a proper decision for yourself. Let me pray for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are truly our Savior. Uh, You have got the power to save each one of us. You have come and you showed that to us by dying on the cross. But help us, Lord Jesus, to see you also as our Lord, the one who has got the right to call us to himself. Give us the courage to trust you tonight, especially when we are confronted with this question. Will you bend us and make us more like you every single day? Turn us to trust you, especially in those areas that we find hard. And I, Lord, I pray this in your name. Amen.